Welcome to part four of our special series on the history of the world. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Kuchem Sanctum. And if you haven't listened to the first three parts, that's okay. You don't exactly have to listen to them in order, but I hope you enjoy. Welcome to our thoughts tonight. Join us as we chat in a mellow mood about music, philosophy, psychology, and anything else that will come to mind. Enjoy. Our thoughts tonight. Our thoughts tonight. We are here again with part four of the history of the world. Right. And I think we left off where? We left off in 1066. Ashik is uh, here. I am here. Hello. <laughs> and I'm here. I'm your host, Alex Trebek, as always. <laughs> Alex Trebek. Uh, let's continue this. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just both of us tonight. And um, we're going to try to hopefully reach the modern day. <laughs> you said you were going to finish at Queen Elizabeth dying because that's where we started. Yeah, our first chunk ended at 1066, which is also very Anglo-centric. So we'll, you know, keep it to Anglo-centrism or whatever. And we'll end with Queen Elizabeth. But yeah, so... Uh, we're going to start from 1066. Uh, before we get into all of that, um, as always, Cruchem Sanctum. Our thoughts tonight. Our we thoughts are tonight. back. You want to do some corrections from the last episode? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, there's really one major correction that I want to do because as. Uh, if you guys have been listening, I we got progressively more tired as the night went on last last round, um, and maybe some things that I, I should have mentioned and I didn't. Uh, not, I'm not going to go super too much like into this because we still have about a thousand years ago. Um, so the biggest one, the one that I correct was I mentioned the Song Dynasty as appearing and you know starting the Great Canal in China and then eventually being replaced by the Tang Dynasty. That I, that I was just tired. That was the Sui Dynasty. I will get to the Song Dynasty probably this episode. But no, that was the Sui Dynasty. It was um, it didn't last very long, but it's uh, kind of important in Chinese history. And I want to say, if you haven't listened to the first four parts, you don't have to start from part one. I say just listen to this one and go back if you really want. Yeah. Also, follow us on Twitter at Kruchem Sanctum. Shut up. Yeah, I, I guess a few things that I, I could have mentioned. Um, there's only two that really come up, but I'm sure there were more that I forget now. Islamic Golden Age, super important. So when I was mentioning, you know, the, the Umayyads and the Abbasids, especially with the Abbasids, basically a lot of, you know, knowledge was, you know, it was a lot of like intellectual progress. Um, a lot of it was in reflection towards, uh, you know, Greek philosophy. You know, you had people like Ibn Sina who like, or Avicenna who like would basically have like commentaries on Aristotle. So it's, it's relatively important and it's going to be a good point to go back to once we get to the Mongols. Another thing I guess I could have mentioned was, I just don't know too, too. I just don't know too much about it, but like um, Ethiopia was, had uh, uh, a you know decent power through throughout its history. Um, eventually, you know, it, it was a Christian kingdom. Eventually, you know, with Makuria and the kingdom of Aksum. So that that's important to mention. I think um, just that there was a, a significantly powerful Christian state in like East Africa uh, that was its like own version of Christianity. So probably important to mention. I, I could also go to like Armenia too. You know, Armenia had like various larger uh, kingdoms throughout its, its history. And I'm sure there are more, more corrections and I'll probably go back to those older episodes and, and look back at them again. But the, I really wanted to get to the Sui dynasty, Song dynasty, because that was a very almost embarrassing uh, screw up. But I was tired, so I'm not going to be too mad. It happens. Yeah. 
So we're starting at 1066, right? Basically, I'm at, or like, you know, ten, the, the 1000s, I would say. So I had mentioned, so yeah, so I guess let's get into it. So we left off at 1066. So England has been taken over by the Normans, basically. And you have like this French influence in England. I think I also uh, had mentioned, yeah, I remember this, I had called it the investiture conflict. It was the investiture, investiture conflict. I, again, that was super tight last episode. I had mentioned that. That was a whole like rivalry going on between the Pope and um, the Holy Roman Emperor. Um, but I think we're going to shift a little bit eastward uh, to the Middle East. So um, around these times, you have invading Turkic tribes uh, coming in. So these are... Um, basically the Seljuks. So there were Turkic tribes in Central Asia and they started going into Persia, you know, uh, going into the Middle East. Now, before they came, a lot of these areas were ruled by various Islamic powers and these Islamic powers, you know, stretched, you know, again, out to Afghanistan, into India. There were the Ghurids, the Ghaznavids. But eventually, before the Seljuks come, you have a lot of Shia dynasties around. So there's the Fatimids in Egypt, they're Shia. And, and then there was a new power in Persia that was, I think, a, a Shia dynasty. I think it starts with a B, but I'm not... Or, the Tulunids were in Egypt, then there were the Fatimids, but they were both Shia. You have a lot of Shia control. So, and to give context, you know, we have the Abbasid Caliphate um, that ruled a lot of these lands directly, but as time went on, it kind of lost a lot of its land, became symbolic for a lot of people, and at times they were even opposed by, because you know, the Abbasids were Sunni, so you had, you know, more Shia dynasties in power. So, eventually the soldiers come, and they convert to Islam, and I think they had already done so. Um, they come under Seljuk Bay and they conquer Persia. They go into the Middle East, you know, around Syria and Iraq, and they will eventually go into Anatolia. But pause on that for a sec. They kind of become like the military wing uh, of the Abbasids in a way. You know, they are legitimized, I suppose you can say, by the Abbasids, but they are very much the ones in power. And there's a lot of uh, important um, leaders in here. There's Seljuk Bay, there's Malik Shah. And the important one, because this will lead us into the Crusades, is Alparslan. So um, he was a Seljuk leader that entered into Anatolia and defeated the Byzantine emperor at the Battle of Manzikert. I think it was 1071 or 1072, I forget. So just like eastern Anatolia. So when this happens, you know, the Turks capture him. They treat him well, but like, you know, the Byzantines are, are like gone. And... So for the next, you know, it, it, there's basically a, a fright in, in Byzantium. And there's other emperors that are taken over and various rebellions or whatever going on in the Byzantine Empire. But uh, eventually, through this process of, of the Turkish victory, a lot of Anatolia starts to become um, uh, Turkified. It's really called the Turkification of, of Anatolia. So a lot more tribes come in. A lot of these nomadic groups start to settle. Uh, you have this great Seljuk Empire, but they're kind of split, split between, like, the Seljuk Sultanate, Sultanate of Rum, which is in Anatolia, and the Turks in Persia, which are the... Uh, the Khwarezmians, but you know the the enemies at the border. So the Byzantines. Um, so Alex, Emperor Alexius the first basically calls for aid from the West to help them, basically with the Turks. Uh, not even just the Turks, just to to reconquer all their lost lands. Not just with the Turks, but um, you know, eventually you know conquer Antioch and you know uh, Jerusalem too. But it, it, but he's basically wanting help for the invading Turks and. He wants us basically a couple soldiers, basically. I don't want to say couple, but like he's not looking for a large invasion. He's just, can you give me some troops, basically, to the West? And I should also mention, at the time there, uh, this had happened, um, there was the great schism between the two churches around the t- uh, 1000s where they were officially split. Um, so this was a way to... Wasn't, maybe- this beca- wasn't that because somebody 
was it the Pope was arguing with a king, right? And the Pope was like, no, you got to do what I say. I can't remember what it yeah, was. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I, you might be referring to, so there was, so the, the whole thing with the Pope is that, like, like, how much power do you put into this religious leader? So you, I don't know if you were in, ever uh, talking about the investiture conflict, but for that one, there is the whole idea of Pope versus Holy Roman Emperor in Germany. Right? I think, yeah, I think that's what I'm yeah. thinking. So that's that. So that that issue was happening in the West too, but in the West, it was resolved in the sense of like, no, Pope has the most extreme power. So a good way to view this also is like for the Byzantines, the emperor has power over religious leaders in a way. There are patriarchs and stuff like that, but like the emperor's at the top, whereas in the West, it was Pope overall. Like you could be excommunicated by the Pope. Uh, he had religious authority, basically. Crazy. Yeah. It's, that sounds so foreign in our current right. world. Yeah. And, but you have to realize also that like a lot of what, like especially coming from the Dark Ages that, you know, after Rome's fall, like we're kind of entering. So um, the early Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, basically, you know, what unified a lot of people was in a way Christendom. Like there were so many barbarian tribes, so many like up and you know, chaos and whatnot. And one thing you could say at the least was that we're all Christian. So in a way the Pope had an, uh, an important part about that. So the Pope uh, hears this and there's, there's a couple of popes that are important here. Um, but uh, I forget their names. I think there's Gregory the seventh. Oh, there's urban. The second, I think will, uh, who is, was the one I believe who eventually calls for the crusade. But this news comes up, and so basically, the Pope is calling for basically Western soldiers to go and help the Byzantines against uh, the Muslim forces. So I don't want to go too in depth into this, but there's this whole question of like, why was this done? Why was it done to such a large extent? You know, like, was the Pope trying to consolidate his power? You know, because he's in the middle of this whole like. It wasn't so long ago that this whole investor conflict was happening. He has to, you know, by he, it's not just a specific pope, but it's like the the, stat, the title the of the papacy pope. In the, yeah, the papacy in general. Uh, again, the, pap- the, the pap- papal states like ruled lands, basically, right? So, you know, are they just trying to consolidate their power, or, or what's the whole point, or are they actually religious? So, he calls uh, these leaders, and, um, you know, uh, famously, you know, God wills it. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to do it because it's your it's your it's your duty and the and the the important part is that if you went and you went on this crusade you know you're you're saved basically as another part part about it too so like what was god wills it in latin it's like uh oh my god i keep forgetting god wills it in latin it's like uh it says the d oh my in, god in how do latin you say, yeah it's like deus s or something like that it's like De, deus volt no. yeah deus volt yeah yeah is that is that the one yeah it's, that's the one deus volt god wills it yeah so that happens. <laughs> so, but before the the main crusade hits, uh, people are like like really excited. So there is, for example, the peasants' crusade. So before, it's basically the first crusade where a bunch of people just come together, uh, led by I think what was his name like Peter the Hermit or something. Uh, I forget his name, but like it's basically led by this like monk dude, and they're just like it's just normal people going to the Holy Land. They don't know anything. These are like peasants. Mm-hmm. They don't know what. what the world is like. They've marched through Europe and like they're dying. Like they're just of starvation. All this stuff. They. And like they're just in the Byzantine territory, and, it's, and they eventually—they're just looking for the Holy Land. They're just marching to the Holy Land, a bunch of random. Why? People. They're so religiously motivated. Like, Damn, you gotta conquer something. And at like, the moment they, you know, the Turks see them, they're wiped out. Like it's <laughs> it's really sad, actually. Yeah, that's messed up. Uh, like the, the, for example, the, um, I'm jumping ahead, but like you will eventually have a children's crusade too. Although there's a lot of like 
Yeah, myths. we talked about that. Yeah, there's a lot of myths surrounded by Children's Crusade, but we talked whole, about that on the podcast early, early episodes. Really? Yeah, probably one of our moral episodes, something like that. It was like that episode that we talked about the Crusades. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't it, think that's on Spotify. It's man. hidden. Yeah, it's hidden. It's an OG. <laughs> it's funny because a lot of the I will. Um, I think I spoke about the mom looks in that episode, which I will be speaking. I'll basically reiterate that episode here <laughs> updated so, version yeah yeah so but eventually you do have like the official crusade or the princess crusade slash the first crusade so these are a bunch of different leaders but the thing is they're not really for the most part i think there's one king but uh, actually i don't even know that i think he was actually a brother of a king but for the most part it's a bunch of um princes a lot of like like smaller lords and it's also another whole another part that gets into this is like oh are these guys going for personal glory because like let's say their brother is king or some other uh family relative is more powerful they want their own things like for example that's that's that accusation is given against bohemond of toronto like oh he was super uh he he was gutted out from his um his his legacy and his father's domains and he just wanted to go out and um you know get some land mm-hmm. where that's true that's complicated I, I think it's kind of a mix because you see a lot of like there is these people are also religiously devoted i also uh forgot to mention that i will mention now before this you do have uh so i had mentioned earlier that the normans had conquered england you know I, i'm kind of skipping it around a little bit but i should also mention that the normans also eventually went to sicily so sicily was ruled by muslims uh, had been conquered by muslims but they had but they were taken by uh, roger who was a norman um so you had Normans who were descended from Vikings coming from northern France conquer England and also conquer Sicily. So, but and then so the whole thing with the First Crusades tie it back into that. A significant chunk of the Crusaders were Normans from Sicily, especially from Bohemond. So, uh, I might be spending too much time on the First Crusade. It's it's a cool story. But these leaders are all come together. They go to the Byzantine, you know, they go through the Byzantine Empire and they they actually win. So, uh, but the trust between the Byzantines in the West and the Westerners, the Franks, basically are are uh, are gone so they don't trust each other there's a lot of there's a lot of fact like there's like logistical reasons for that uh again the byzantines were only expecting like 600 guys who are all these thousands of western soldiers so but um the crusaders will conquer um pretty much the entire levant and they'll create basically four important zones uh, of control so there will be the kingdom of jerusalem there will be the principality of antioch the county of edessa and the county uh, the county of Tripoli, I believe. Um, I believe. Yep. Or was it? Yeah, I think it was county of Tripoli. Anyway, so they, they, they have control and it's like their own fiefdoms, right? They're not subservient to the Byzantines. The Byzantines were expecting Western help to come and these guys like help them take these lands for them. Uh, but no, they take it for themselves. So I'm, I'm really trying to make sure I don't skip any over any important events. So that's, that was going on there. Um, I think we're still good for now. So not so long after this, so there are some skirmishes after the first crusade is supposedly uh, gone, right? There are some, some fights going on, but eventually, uh, and I forget the exact details, but eventually the second crusade is called to, because of the, of the certain rising uh, Muslim powers. And basically from this point on, no other crusade is really as successful. So there'll be like nine crusades, but the big ones are second, third and, uh, and fourth. So, Second's kind of a weird one where, like... What year is this? This will be, like, early 1100s. Early so the 1100s. first crusade was, I think, like, the 1090s. Um, so it's not too long after. Or, no, no. Second crusade was around the 1140s, I believe. Yeah, I believe it was around the 1140s. 
Yeah, so uh, there, there's some fighting, but for the most part, it's it's not too successful. And I might this is the, this is the whole part. Like, I might start mixing stuff up because again, I don't have any notes right now. I should also clarify, I don't have notes. This is all off the top. Yeah, so, all off the top. Yeah, so uh, let's try to think. Okay, so eventually you'll enter into third crusade. So I might be confusing the second and third, the steps of the second and third, but I think this I should be good in the third one. So uh, eventually you'll have the Fatimids in Egypt get taken over by the Ayyubids. Basically, that's uh, Saladin's people. So Saladin was a Kurd, and he was like, a, I think he was a vizier, or he was a, I think he was the vizier of, of the Fatimid Sultan, or like he was related to him or something like that. I think it was his son, actually. I, I forget. Uh, but eventually he will take over, and uh, Jerusalem will be uh, will be taken. So uh, famously, the, th- the Third Crusade is, uh, is famous for like Richard the Lionheart of England coming over, um, and you know, they were, you know, fights with Salima, uh, not Salima, uh, Saladin and all that. And, you know, they're both cool warriors and all that, but eventually Saladin, uh, especially with like the heat of the desert, you know, the, the crusaders will be defeated as well. Um, although Richard will conquer Cyprus and, uh, I think Malta on the way there, or is it Rhodes? Definitely Cyprus. Or is this again? I, I, I'm starting to like forget some stuff. He conquers Cyprus on the way, Richard. I uh, guess it's always good to go back for that reason, right? Yeah. I should also mention there were other figures around this time that went on crusade, but they weren't successful. There was Philip from France, who um, he he didn't he didn't stick around too much as 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 much as Richard. And then there was uh, Emperor uh, Barbarossa from the Holy Roman Empire, who basically died crossing a river. Yeah, so that's going on there. Um, so keeping a pause there, I will return to the European sphere. Over in the east, you have. New dynasties in China. You you do have the Song Dynasty in southern China. Um, uh, they're very much maritime focused. Um, I should also mention uh, Japan and Korea at this point have become uh, are more um, their own culture. Right? Like they're they're much more stable and like they're not just like various tribes wandering around. They've they've established like for a while now. You know their 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 domains like in Korea. There's different kingdoms. There's a kingdom of Silla and um, Balhae and and Goguryeo. It's actually a fourth one, too. That was very small. Um, and uh, Japan, you know, um, at this point, you know, there is an imperial family um, that is very much uh, regarded as, as holy. Like, you know, in China, you have various families, you know, fighting over each other, basically, or like or replacing each other. But in Japan, it's always like who controls the emperor, especially in these early times. What's been uh, what was also important was like the the old emperor, the ex-emperor would have influence in, in, the, in the new um, generation. So. They're having a lot of civil wars around this time. I'm going to get back to Japan uh, in the 1500s. But India, you have, I believe, this Delhi, the Delhi Sultanate um, over in northern India. Um, oh, I, and I didn't mention this in the last the last few episodes where um, there's a lot of um, Indian and Chinese influence over in Southeast Asia. So a lot of Hindu kingdoms are, are in Southeast Asia. The Pagan Kingdom, um, you know, various Vietnamese dynasties and all that. It's such a story of like two sisters or something like in Vietnam who who defeated a Chinese invasion. I think it was in, during the Han Dynasty, though. I don't remember. Yeah. So that so also in, in China, I should also say that northern tribes start invading northern China, and I don't and I don't mean the Mongols. Um, these are the Jurchens, um, or uh, the Jurchens are the Kitans. I forget, but they will eventually create the Jin Dynasty. There was already a Jin Dynasty before. I, I don't know if you guys remember, but from the uh, the Kingdom of Wei back in the Three Kingdoms, but it's another Jin Dynasty. Uh, they are invading uh, Manchurian tribes, basically, who become Sinai. So a, a big, uh, another big thing of China is that external invaders become 
Chinese in a way. So that happened with the Tang Dynasty, and that happened again now with the Jin Dynasty. So there's a lot of important developments. So I'm now entering kind of into, into the 1200s. 1200s, um, here we go. Yeah, so... 1066, baby! <laughs> it's coming. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's we passed. Yeah, we already passed it, yeah. Uh, again, there's, there's, I'm just looking, like, thinking there's, like... I should also quickly mention that in in Spain, as, you know, I'm, I'm not going too depth into there, but, you know, I had, I, as I had said, the Muslims were in Spain... But as time, so as I'm saying these events, keep in mind that the northern Christian kingdoms are slowly conquering, um, reconquering Iberia. There's a famous battle, I think, sometime in the 1300s, I think. But, you know, you'll eventually have kingdoms like Leon and Castile, Navarra, Aragon, Portugal that will push away the Muslim rulers there. And there's different Muslim rulers. There's Almoravids, there's Almohads, there's different local rulers like the, the Taifas. Uh, but keep in mind that as, as we're going through the Middle Ages, they're slowly being whittled down there. All right. All right. Keep that so in mind, everyone. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind until we get to 1492. Uh, so what else? Okay. So, yeah. So I, uh, I guess before I get to what's going on in, in Germany uh, in, in the early 1200s, um, late 1100s, early 1200s, you will have the Mongol invasions. Now, the Mongols were a group of people, obviously, you know, in, in you know, uh, basically the, the plains north of China, you know, past the Gobi Desert, also in the Gobi Desert, uh, Lake Baikal, Mongolian plains and all that. East Siberia too, to a certain extent, with like Tungusic people, but they are their own people. And you'll have a guy named Temuchin rise up, and he will, through his own interesting life story, you know, he will um, have different characters in life, you know, like Jamukha and. Um, Isn't this Genghis Khan? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So, um, but his real name was Temuchin. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, where does Genghis where does Genghis Khan come from? The name. I'll, I'll get to that. Oh, okay. I guess I'm going to say it. Yeah, Genghis, uh, uh, Chinggis Khan means, um, again, it's anglicized to Genghis Khan, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Un- basically a like universal ruler. So, like, think of, like, world emperor, kind of. So, but his real name is Temujin. So, um, his father was uh, assassinated, basically, by Tartar, or uh, rival Tartar, um, or Tatar, I should say, um, tribes, and, um, and he had a pretty low rough life. He, had, he was basically in exile with his mom and his brother's. He had a rough childhood. Eventually, was came into the service of a Naiman ruler who was Christian. I should also mention there were some. Um, I mean, Christianity had spread to the east to a certain extent. I should also mention that there were um, a lot of tribes around these areas. You know, there's the Kipchaks and the Cumans and uh, the Pechenegs and uh, the Karakitans and um, and all this stuff. You know, and there was even um, the, the I think the Khazars in in uh, basically South Central Russia, which were a Jewish Turkic horde, basically. So there's a lot of like hordes going on, basically. Um, there's a Tibetan uh, dynasty that, that kind of comes up that's kind of, I think, partially nomadic, too. Um, but anyway, so Temuchin will uh, beat out his rivals. He'll save his wife from the Merkits, for the Merkit tribes. And um, eventually he will consolidate his people uh, into a sort of a, not, you know, it becomes a meritor- um, uh, basically a meritocracy uh, instead of like choosing positions based on nobility. He's much more egalitarian in that sense. Um, and he's kind of consolidated his power, right? Um, and Genghis Khan will basically go on a multiple invasions of different, uh, different uh, groups of people. So um, he starts expanding westward into various different tribes, like the Karakitans and the Naimans and all that. He will invade the Jin dynasty. And we should also mention that the, the, Jin, the Jin dynasty, or really all Chinese dynasties, always played around with these nomadic tribes, especially when they weren't into these large confederations like the Zhongnu or the Roran or the, or the Gokturks. Like, they played around with these different rulers and made uh, them fight with each other. And Genghis Khan, I think his grandfather or one of his ancestors was, 
I think I tried to actually rise up, but it, it didn't work out. His name was like something Bahadur. I forget. But um, eventually he will go and invade the Jin Dynasty and he will conquer it. Uh, I guess we'll call it uh, between. Yeah. So uh, he's conquered all these uh, different territories and eventually he'll be on the border of the Khwarezmian Empire. As I said, that was a Seljuk domain, basically. And I'll leave it from there because the story afterward is kind of interesting. But yeah, so we're currently in the middle of Genghis Khan's conquests um, in like the late 1100s and early 1200s. So All right. we'll be right back. We'll be right back on Our Thoughts Tonight. We are back on Our Thoughts Tonight. Our Thoughts Tonight. Yeah, so we left off in the middle of uh, Genghis Khan's conquests, but kind of uh, in anticipation. So at this point, Genghis Khan is expanding westward. James James Bond? James Bond is, yeah. Um, yeah, so James Khan, um, as again, so he's Temujin, but he was recalled, uh, he was, um, titled James Khan as universal ruler. He united all the tribes, all that stuff. Um, so there's two important parts in expanding westward. There is going over the Caspian Sea and there's going under the Caspian Sea. So going under, he, uh, James Khan had sent two diplomats, I believe, or he sent diplomats in general to the Khorezmian Empire. Again, these were an established Turkic, uh, dynasty, became, um, like per- Persianified, you know, uh, they became Persian, kind of, and culturally, they send him over, and the ruler is like, "We're not having any, any. We don't want to trade with you guys. No, nothing." He kills the diplomats, so in revenge, in a way, and also uh, out of like disrespect, basically, James Khan launches an invasion of the Khwarezmian Empire, and he's like slaughters so many people. I mean, like. It's crazy. I mean, he, even beforehand with the, with the other tribes in the Jin Dynasty, like he was slaughtering a lot of people. So it's 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 crazy going into, into Persia. Um, you know, the ruler is like running around and like he eventually like dies in an island or something in the Caspian Sea. I think his son eventually fl- uh, flees to like Afghanistan, India. He's around like the Delhi Sultanate area. They uh, never found his burial location. With James Khan. Yeah. Yeah, they never did. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get to that when he dies. And uh, Oh, I thought that's who died. No, no, no. I mean, this is the this is the Khwarezmian ruler. Um, oh, I see. I see. So these guys being this guy's being chased by the Mongol invaders. Um, but there's a one, you know, one one uh, Khwarezmian uh, guy who like uh, goes to like he's basically holds out on the other side of the Indus River on the eastern side, and the Mong- and Genghis Khan's like, you know, man, if I had a son like that, that'd be great. But you know, Persia's pretty much conquered. Also, another uh, so the, and then there's the over the Caspian route of conquest where he basically sends two of his best generals, Subutai and Jebe the Arrow. Uh, to go and scout out Russia, and they like go super deep into Eastern Europe. They're conquering. They're messing with people. They're they're conquerors. They're really good at it. Yeah, and Subutai is especially good. You know, never really lost a battle. Yeah. So at this point, you know, the, the Mongols are are uh, everywhere. And I should uh, I should probably clarify. I think it was under Genghis Khan has happened. It might have been under another Mongol ruler, but eventually you're gonna have a sack of Baghdad. Actually, I think it might have been. I think sack of Baghdad was in 1258. I, I don't. I forget sometimes. But the Mongols will eventually sack Baghdad, and as I said, the Islamic Golden Age was occurring. Um, it, it was uh, to a lesser extent now, but uh, it, I think, if, from what I know, it had a little bit of revitalization. You know, Baghdad, you know, had the House of Wisdom. I had a lot of books, um, a lot of sources of knowledge, and Baghdad was uh, the the Tigris Euphrates rivers were like flowing red with blood and ink, and it was red and black with with red with. Uh, with blood and ink or something like that. But eventually, uh, James Khan will die, and there'll be a few more rulers uh, take over. There's Munke, 
Um, at least for now, his his sons are kind of taking care of things. Eventually, we'll, they'll, eventually, I'm going to skip around a little bit with time with times, but eventually, after a few uh, universal rulers, you can say the Mongol Empire will, will split into four main territories. There will be the main one in the east, which will be uh, the Yuan, the Great Yuan Dynasty. They will eventually conquer the Song Dynasty in southern China. There is a Chagatai. Uh, horde in Central Asia and like Afghanistan too. There is the Golden Horde in Russia and um, you know, Eastern Europe, and there's the Ilkhanate in and like Persia. And I should also mention with with Genghis Khan's death, yeah, from what I know, they basically a bunch like a bunch of horsemen, you know, went out somewhere and buried him, and then all the people that did that like seven hundred, what was it, like seventy or seven hundred, I forget, a bunch of them. They were slaughtered and and their horses were killed. And really? Too. So like the people who buried James Khan were killed. So no one knew. Purposefully? Yeah. Um. So no one would know. Why um, did they need seven hundred people to bury him? I don't know if it was seventy or seven hundred, but like it was a ceremonial thing. I mean, like, oh, I mean, I James Khan was like, I mean, like, the, I mean, he thought of himself like the, a punishment from God. He was like. He was literally out to rule the world, you know. He was like, "I want my sons to like conquer the world for me, finish my job." Like, it, like, it, like it was universal conquest, and especially with like how successful the Mongols uh, got, you definitely see that. So, pause that's a strange goal to have. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, it, it, I, yeah, I do one of the motivations because, like, I mean, he had a really rough, rough like childhood. And, yeah, like, he must have been sociopathic or something. Yeah, I mean, like father died young. His wife gets kidnapped. You know, he can't trust his like new father figure and his blood brother. He lives with his mom. Like his whole tribal dynamics going on. Um, if you ever read the secret history of the Mongols, it's like, like he like, he had a rough like. So um, I believe it. Yeah. So for him to come back from all that, and like he basically lived in the mountains when he was a kid, and like, uh, but he you'd also see him being really aggressive younger on too. There was an incident where, like, he basically, like, I think he, like, killed his brother over a fish or something like that. Wow. So, you know, he was aggressive still. Yeah, so, pausing a little bit on the Mongols, um, go back to Europe. So, we kind of stopped around the sec- uh, Third Crusade, I suppose. So, around this time, you had a very important pope, Pope Innocent III. He was super influential. He kind of delved into a lot of people's politics. For example, he got into uh, he got he interfered a little bit in a it, something that happened in the Holy Roman Empire. Holy Roman Emperor, I think Henry the Sixth, dies, and um, there's a succession crisis. There is the the Hohenstaufens, which are basically like from his family, and there were the the Welfs. Civil wars all cr- across the Holy Roman Empire, and it's but it's really indicative of a larger like political scheme going on. So for example, the Hohenstaufens, uh, also there's uh, underlying tensions of like the Guelphs and Ghibellines, which were like two Northern uh, factions, I guess in Northern. It, it, it's, it's like basically like from what I remember, like you're basically pro Pope or anti Pope. Uh, there's a lot of it going on in Northern Italy that I'm, I'm just unfamiliar with, but it's underlying tensions of these is for different sides. For example, the Welfs and Germany are allied with the English, um, so in England, after Richard Lionheart, you have his brother John. You know he's there, um, and they're kind of like in, in an alliance. Uh, so Otto uh, of uh, Brunswick, I think his name was, with the with the Welfs, and um, then you have, again, then you have the Hohenstaufens, and they're kind of more allied with France. Um, uh, Philip Augustus um, uh, was a pretty important ruler in France at the time, and there would eventually be a battle in, in northern France where. 
the Velfs uh, will be defeated um, by the French, by Philip Augustus. He either dies or he he gets like he he he's just completely like wrecked at that point. But you know, you also have to remember that France is when we think of France now. Like a lot of Western France is ruled by England, um, Aquitaine, Normandy. Um, and yeah, so John and you know John's part of that, I guess is losing side. I didn't even mention the Domesday Book in England, but honestly, whatever. Um, offshoot tangent thing. Domesday Book was a it was a census basically taken by the Normans after they conquered England. But John the first. Um, in England is the ruler that you have Magna Carta signed. Um, so basically, uh, the power of the ruler, the king, is limited. Richard Lionheart's very important, but his brother is also very important because he was also in his European dyna- uh, political uh, dynamics. Is also was a guy who basically had to suffer through signing the Magna Carta, uh, giving you know, nobles power and all that. Um, so that's how happening in the early 1200s. Oh, I should also uh, uh, clarify. You'll have a new ruler in the Holy Empire that the Civil War will end. And um, it's, I think it's Frederick III. I think it's Frederick III, right? Yeah. And he's kind of this bombastic ruler. Um, again, the, the Holy Roman Empire is is extending uh, to a lot of different areas. Uh, under him, you really have his incorporation of Sicily and a lot of Italian parts into the Holy Roman Empire. I mean, the Holy Roman Empire is big. You know, it, it's very powerful. And it's also split among a lot of different, like, smaller... It, it's not just one unified country. It's, like, duchies and, and principalities and... And other kingdoms, like the Kingdom of Bohemia, and you know, um, archbishoprics and and free cities, you know, as Austria and all this stuff within it, city states. Um, but um, there's still a Holy Roman em- Emperor over it who's kind of like in it, who's, who's elected, and there's a whole you know, it, uh, I'm not going to go into the whole process of, of the elections, but so Frederick the Third is very important. He's also kind of a he's kind of weird. I think he gets in like medicine a lot. He's kind of like uh, he he's kind of into like some weird like. I don't know how to word it, like, taboo stuff, I suppose, at the time. So he's like, the Pope starts to be like, oh, I don't know if I, like, you're kind of weird. I don't know if you're heretical or not. So that's going on there. I should probably clarify, and maybe I should just, the Crusades, I should say, are still coming, um, are still happening uh, at this time, too. So so as I said, the Third Crusade was another failure. Um, and if, you'll also have a Fourth Crusade. So, um, I don't know if you remember the fourth crusade from that crusade episode, but like, it's the one that it's like kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't remember exactly. Um, it's basically like, and I should, I should also clarify real quick that the crusades weren't just in the middle East. They were happening in, in Iberia. They were happening in, in, in the Baltic States or the Baltic, you know, coast basically. So you have like, uh, the Teutonic order going into, you know, basically modern day, uh, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, um, car conquering, carving out their own territories, basically fighting against like the pagan Lithuanians, the last remnant of, of all that. Um, they're also fighting against like the Poles, you know, who are Catholic. They're fighting against uh, Russian, um, you know, uh, groups. And I should also, you know, the Russians at this time were um, for a while, I think since the 900s, they had converted to Orthodox Christianity. So they're Christians, but not, you know, they don't have the right type of Christianity according to the Catholics <laughs> and all that. So, but again, the, but the primary purpose of the Crusades were against, like you know, the you know Jerusalem and like the heart. Um, also, a lot of it was also to Cairo and Egypt was eventually was seen as like the heart of where you have to attack. But anyway, the Fourth Crusade is basically a bunch of Crusaders. Um, uh, I forget the exact order of things, but they be, basically need boats. I think the Venetians tell them, "Hey, take out, you know, help us out in Zama." Like it's controlled by the Hungarians, I believe, and they kill fellow Catholics or something like that, and they're excommunicated, and they'll eventually go to Constantinople. Just of it, but basically, the the, the Crusaders will uh, take over Constantinople. Um, they they on their way to Jerusalem, going there, they need ships. You know, they're they're angry and all that, and they 
they're not very well received and they take it over. So the, the crusader, so the Byzantine empire isn't necessarily dead. Maybe you can say for a time it, it's gone right now. It's split into different subsections. For example, a big one is the empire of Nicaea, but right now, uh, there is the Latin Empire, which is basically the Crusader state, uh, in, in a sense, um, over in Constantinople around that area. So that's kind of around the same time the Civil War in Germany was happening. So the world's kind of in chaos right now. I'll pa- I'll do this one story and I'll, I'll, we can pause again. Um, okay. I'm not sure how long we've been going for now, but right. So we're kind of in the we're nearing like the middle uh, of the 1200s right now. So going back to the Mongols, the Mongols are expansive. You know, they're all um, they're they're entering into the middle east so i'm gonna quickly go on a tangent it's not really that important historically but i just have the story i'm not gonna go super in depth to it all right but this is like what we talked about in that crusader episode so like in egypt you had the ayub sultanate um which would eventually be transformed into the mamluk sultanate so long story short there's a crusade i think it's the seventh one where so the mamluks were a slave soldier class in Egypt. Um, so there were other ones around the world too. There was like the Mamluk Sultanate over in India too, but you know, the, the Mamluk Sultanate of Delhi or whatever it was called. Um, and previously there were, there were similar scenarios of like slave soldiers, like, like the Ghulams, <clears throat> yeah, the Ghulams. Uh, well, the Mamluks were like Kirkaisian, Turkic nomads taken as slaves and turned to these uh, slave soldiers. They were very high status, but they were subservient to like the sultan and all that and they were really integral in defeating the crusaders during this the crusade where they uh these crusaders attacked alexandria uh, i think eventually at damietta they they um they lost they, basically the whole plan was the the mamas let the soldiers in and all the peasants just like brushed the crusaders and they all died or they you know the rules were captured and all that but the gist of what's going on right now is the Mamluks have a really, uh, they have a lot of power and there's two different branches of uh, Mamluks. There's like the, the Fort Mamluks and there's also the River Mamluks. Um, and there's different sub-fashions that go on. I guess I won't go too deep into it, but long story short, uh, there's a Mamluk takeover of the Sultanate and I think it's under Ibuk and he kind of establishes a Mamluk Sultanate. Basically, these safe slave soldiers become the rulers. There's a lot of political scheming that goes on. There's a lady named Shajar al-Din. I think he was the previous wife of the Sultan who marries Ibuk. And she's like leads like one faction. She's I think she leads like the river Mamluks while like Ibok leads like the, the fort Mamluks or whatever. And there's a lot of internal bickering. There's a lot of interesting characters like Baibars and Hutus and uh, I think Fakhr ad-Din. But long, I guess, I guess long story short, eventually you'll have Kutus or Kutus or whatever you say it uh, as a sultan of the um, of the Mamluks. Um, I should also mention that the Abbasids, there's also a whole uh, notion of like trying to get the Abbasid Caliph to to consider and to legitimize your rule, I should also mention. Um, but eventually the Mongols are coming, right? So uh, the Mongols are at your doorsteps. They're trying to ally with the Crusaders, uh, funnily enough. And um, the Mongols go out and um, they defeat them. Now, uh, it's complicated because the... The Mongol ruler, sorry, the Mongol ruler of the Ilkhani. I don't think it had split just yet, but like there was a large army under uh, some guy named Hulegu, and the Khan, the main Khan, Munkin Khan, dies, so he has to go back with the majority of his army. So, but basically, a lot of the Mongol army leaves. So, but there's still a significant chunk of uh, soldiers coming in to invade Egypt, and the Mongols have been very successful this, this um, so far. But Kutuz and, and Baibars, they're able to, who's, uh, Kutuz is kind of, kind of like a Fort Mamluk from what I remember, and Baibars is like from that river Mamluk faction, and they are able to defeat uh, the Mongols at the Battle of Anjalut using Mongol tactics. Basically, you, you bring them in, you know, you, you, you 
feign retreat you thinking you're running away but really you're leading them to a trap basically so the mongols are repulsed from egypt and or north africa they could have conquered it for sure if this didn't happen um on his way back kutus is assassinated or, or dies mysteriously in a hunting accident i think and i think it was most likely assassinated and Baibars takes over as an um Mamluk Sultan, basically. So you have the Mamluks in Egypt at this point, very, very powerful. I guess I'll mention this terrifically, but then we can go on break. Mongol power was interesting, uh, depending on which horde you're talking about, and also the religious aspect of things too. For example, like the, the Mongols did have a civil war eventually. Uh, I think this guy, I think this guy named Ayn Balik in the Golden Horde was kind of rebelling, and um, he had become Muslim. Uh, but then you have like you know rulers in the, in the Yuan Dynasty who were not, like for example, like like. Um, uh, oh my God, like, like Kublai Khan and all that. Um, I guess I'll mention this before, before right now, but like, uh, each was kind of their, it, different in their own way. There were other smaller horrors. I think there was like the, the blue and the white horrors that were kind of incorporated into the Golden Horde. The Golden Horde, for example, was in Eastern Europe, but, uh, like, for example, like they, they, like all the, the, the Russian, Russian principalities basically were like paid tribute to the, to the Mongols. The Mongols didn't like rule them directly, but they paid lip service to them. Whereas in the Ilkhanate, uh, they like, they were pretty much like a Persian dynasty almost. They became uh, Islamicized. Then the Yuan dynasty also became, you know, Sinicized. It became Chinese in a way. And, uh, you know, famously with Kublai Khan, you know, there was, um, you know, the two failed invasions of Japan. You know, storm hits them or whatever. Uh, but, I mean, each one's kind of doing their own thing. And they're very much separate to a certain extent. Like, the Yuan dynasty is probably the greatest one. It kind of exerts influence over the other hordes. Uh, Congress, you know, it's, it's conquered Korea. It's trying to invade um, Vietnam. That's not great. It actually even has some dealings in Indonesia and Malaysia, uh, which doesn't go uh, great either. But it's it's still overall the most powerful. So I guess I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that for now. So basically, the Mongols are repulsed from Egypt. I guess let's let's consider where we're at. Mongols are repulsed from Egypt. Germany's hold again. Um, we're gonna start entering entering into the Hundred Years' War soon. Oh, and we're also gonna hit the Ottomans very soon too. But that's where we're at currently. Uh, maybe let's take a quick break. Yeah, let's take a quick break. Our thoughts tonight. Our thoughts tonight. Thanks for listening to Our Thoughts Tonight. Remember to follow us on Twitter. And we'll be back with part five of our series on the history of the world. That doesn't touch a personal nerve or heed a social call. That knows no up or down. That has no right or wrong That doesn't need a reason To waste some time with soldiers Like that old time Rock and roll with the easy chords And a touch of soul Give me old time rock and roll And I'll sing ba 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 Whoa, whoa, whoa Doesn't let it all hang out. That doesn't wave any flag or have any slogan to shout. That knows no east or west. That has no left or right. That doesn't throw any stones or look for any fight. Just like that old time rock and roll with the easy chords and a touch of soul. Give me old time rock and roll. And I sing ba 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 Whoa, whoa, whoa. Promise a brand new start That doesn't preach of rain and fire Or 
heed any higher call that doesn't need a reason to mean nothing at all just like that old time rock and roll with the easy chords and a touch of soul give me old time rock and roll and i sing about things about that whoa whoa Just like that old time rock and roll with the easy chords and a touch of soul. Give me old time rock and roll. And I sing ba 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 Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ba 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 Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ba 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 Whoa, whoa, whoa.